You're listening to Practical Badass, Episode 9. On this podcast, we explore how to advance the wealth and careers of women in other marginalized communities in tech. Here, you'll find practical, actionable advice that helps you scale your career and unapologetically create a life you love. I'm your host, Chrissy Battle, and thanks for joining me on this journey. In this week's episode, I want to talk about how to negotiate like a badass, even if you've never done it before. So in this episode, we are going to talk about the approaches to set yourself up for success, both in terms of mindset and in terms of tactics. We're going to understand your ideal outcome, and then we're going to walk through the basics of negotiations. So before we dig into this, I just want to share that I am not a professional negotiator. I am just a human who has learned to get pretty good results in her own career. And so I just want to share my learnings and takeaways with you so that you can apply, you know, the aspects that you feel like will work really well for you and you can leave the pieces that you think won't apply to you in your situation. But just really what I want to reinforce here is Even though I am not a natural negotiator, this is a skill that can absolutely be learned. And it's also a skill that you're going to see compound results over time. So the first time that you engage in a negotiation, if you've never done it before, and it doesn't turn out exactly like you hoped, that is okay. That is part of the process. And just know that each subsequent negotiation that you undertake, each transition into a new role you're likely going to see better and better results. So the skills that you cultivate each time are going to build on each other. So think about the time horizon for this being years to see compound results over time, better and better and better. And you're also going to get accelerated results over time. So really, this is just to reinforce the first time that you try this, it's going to feel awkward. And number one, that is okay. And also, if you don't get, again, everything that you are hoping to get, that is also okay. It does not mean that you failed in the negotiation. The other piece that I just want to touch on is if you have never negotiated before, that does not mean that you are a failure, okay? I did not negotiate any of my roles for the first, I want to say, 10 years of my career. And so really the results that I've seen have just been adopting and practicing negotiation tactics and skills over the last seven years. So number one, you can get accelerated results, even if you've never done it before. But if you haven't, it does not mean that you're failing. Okay. When I first started my career or in terms of me being early in my career, I was actually a single mom with a toddler. And so when I had new role opportunities that were for any amount of money more than I was currently making, I did not feel like I had the leverage to negotiate because, because my personal you know, economic situation was such that I needed any amount of money more. And if I risked negotiating to ask for more money and then the opportunity went away, for me, that was more costly than a few more thousand dollars I could have gotten. Okay. So if you're in a similar place, And we are going to help you have tips and tricks to get you to the point that you feel comfortable negotiating and you can take more opportunities and maximize the opportunities that you uh, are offered. 
And then one last point on this before we dive into the actual learnings of the episode is when you're negotiating, the recruiter, whoever you're negotiating with on the other side for this opportunity, they are not going to think less of you for negotiating. Okay. That is an expected part of this process and it's an expected interaction. You want to make sure that you are being respectful and tactful when you're engaging in negotiations, but it's an expected part of this process. Okay. So they're not going to think that you less of you or think you're aggressive or think, you know, negative things about you because you've asked for more. Okay. So the first part of negotiating is understanding your ideal outcome. So before you even talk to the recruiter, before you even ideally even start looking for new roles, you need to understand what you actually want in this next opportunity. So do you want more flexibility in terms of work-life balance or being able to pick up your kids from school? So flexibility in your work-life balance, flexibility in your role. Do you want more money? Do you want a bigger title? Do you want all of the above? Spend some time thinking about that before you start having any conversations because being really clear on what your ideal outcome is, is going to make the negotiation process much smoother. So really good negotiations should have relatively few back and forths because you're very clear on what you want. They will make an offer to you and then you will counter offer with the knowledge of what you want, right? So if it's maybe it's more salary or you need to have more paid time off so you're able to attend more events at your kid's school or maybe you need to have a dedicated learning budget. So really understanding all of that, you can have very specific direct counter offers, which makes this process much easier. And it's also in terms of, you know, a good negotiation versus a bad negotiation. A bad negotiation is one where you're changing your mind a lot. So if you, if the recruiter is going to try their best to get you everything that you want, they're really excited about you joining the team. You've told them what you want. If then a few days later, you've had a couple of back and forth and then you completely pivot and want something different, that's going to be really frustrating for them. So you want to avoid that. You want to understand upfront as much as possible, everything that you want in terms of the outcome for the negotiation. So part of this process will be personal reflection. And part of it is going to require some research on your part. So really try to understand in advance what the market rates are for the types of roles you're targeting. For some roles, it can be really difficult. So just do your best. So there are so many resources now that you can look at pay ranges. You can look at things like Glassdoor. There's a website called Blind that's really great, especially if you are engineering focused. There's a website called Payscale. There's levels.fyi. Also really great if you have an engineering focus to your career. So really you want to have multiple sources that give you an idea of the range of the types of roles that you're looking for. So you can understand before you even embark on any conversations with recruiters. Another thought on this is when you're thinking about that ideal outcome, specifically about your compensation package, now that you have an idea of market rates, also factor in, I call it what stage of life you're in. So when you think about compensation packages, especially in tech, there's usually multiple components. So the main one is going to be your base salary. Depending on the role, it could also include stock options. It could include restricted stock units, and it could uh, include bonuses. 
And I say consider what stage of life you're in when you're thinking about what kind of mix you want for your compensation package, because at my stage of life, I am right now the sole breadwinner. I have kids. I have a mortgage. So for me, cash is queen. Okay, I want my base salary as high as possible. That is my goal when I enter into a negotiation. So bonuses, fantastic. Excited about those. Stock options and RSUs, super cool. But I care most about cash, okay? I know how to invest my money myself. And cash is the easiest and cleanest way for me to increase my financial position. And I, again, I'm comfortable investing my own money myself. So stock options and RSUs, that I enjoy getting those as part of my package, but I bias more towards the cash compensation. And I'm going to factor that in to my conversations with recruiters. The next concept I want to talk about is the BATNA. So B-A-T-N-A. And it stands for the best alternative to negotiated agreement. So what that means is if you enter into a negotiation, you need to enter into it understanding that if it does not work out, what is the best alternative that you have? It really helps you assess where to be flexible and where to really stick to your guns. So if you have a really great best alternative to this negotiation that you're participating in working out, you have a lot of leverage and you can really push for it and ask for what you want. Because if it doesn't work out, you're okay with going back to or having things stay the way that they are right now. If your BATNA is something that you're not really excited about, it would really be best for you if this negotiation worked out then that's information that you need to think about as you're having the conversation because you might need to be a little bit more flexible than you would be if your BATNA was something that was really solid that you felt really comfortable with. And, you know, whenever we engage in negotiations, you can't always control what your best alternative is. And so if you're in a position where it's not what you would consider ideal, and just think about the next time that you enter into a negotiation just trying to start it from a better BATNA position, a better leverage position. We can't always do it. It's ideal. It's what we want to aim for. But again, you can still get so many gains from negotiations, even if your starting point is not perfect. Even if you don't get everything you asked for, you still asked for and got more than you would have gotten if you asked for nothing. So you're already in a better position. And these skills, I'm going to say it a couple times throughout the episode, but these skills build on themselves. So you're going to see the results that you get initially, but then they're going to compound over time as you practice more, as you get better and better results. So related to this, the next thing that I want to touch on is a concept called ABL. And that's just my personal concept. It's called always be looking. So the best time and your best BATNA is when you are fine and comfortable with your current role. It's so much easier to ask for what you want and to, you know, go bigger and aim higher when your BATNA, your best alternative is to stay in a role that you like fine at a compensation level that is comfortable for you, right? That is a fantastic time to really look for a a big jump in your compensation or a big jump in your title and really searching, taking your time and searching for a role that's going to be a really great next fit for you. So my point there with always be looking is, I mean, 
It is what it says, right? You're always looking for new opportunities. You're always looking for new roles, even if you're happy or content where you're at. Because again, if you're happy where you're at, you can ask, you feel comfortable asking for more and you feel less nervous going into negotiations and you feel calmer because it's like, "Mm, if this doesn't work out, I'm great where I'm at right now. You might not be in that position right now. Maybe you're really frustrated with your current role and you want to get out as soon as possible. Or maybe you're currently unemployed. You've been impacted by layoffs and that's not something that you're able to have right now. That is okay. And that's where I talk about at the beginning of the episode, compounding benefits of learning negotiation skills. If it's not something you can do this time, it's something you can target next time you're in a negotiation, right? So just don't forget that always be looking next time you're in a place so that you can maintain your leverage in the negotiation as much as possible. The next thing that I want to go into is really talking more about negotiation being more than just salary. You're talking about more than just cash compensation. So the other things that you can consider negotiating for are a higher title. So maybe you feel like the level that you're performing at is one level higher than they have offered you if you get to the offer stage. So that's a piece that you can negotiate for. You can always uh, negotiate for an increase in your cash compensation or your compensation across the board. Again, my tip there is to be really clear on what you want from the outset. So maybe you're at a place where you're just starting your career and say you don't have a mortgage or kids and you have more flexibility with, you know, your current life circumstances. Maybe you want to take less cash and go really hard on stock options or restricted stock units so that you're willing to take more risk there. So just thinking about that in advance is really helpful. The other thing is I was in a situation in a prior role where I was offered a signing bonus. So in addition to my cash base salary, there was a bonus that was a percentage of my base salary. And they also offered me a signing bonus. And so once I had gotten them up as much as I could on the cash compensation, the other thing I did was I pushed really hard to have my sign-on bonus rolled into my base compensation. So instead of getting, say, you know, a ten dollars or $15,000 signing bonus, that was now part of my base compensation. And for me, that was a really important strategy because now that it was part of my base compensation and my base is higher, I also know there's a percentage bonus included in my compensation. So now my total compensation year over year is higher because that base salary makes a higher percentage bonus and it's not going to go away like assigning bonuses. So just think about that too, if assigning bonus is an option for you, if your best alternative to negotiated agreement is to stay in your current role, that's a really great thing to push for to bump your base salary higher. So another thing to think about is if there's just not much flexibility on the cash compensation in terms of your salary, think about other valuable things you could ask for. So maybe it would be having them ensure that you get to attend conferences that are really important for your specific role or your specific niche that you work within. Maybe they're not willing to pay you cash in your salary, but you could negotiate cash for a learning budget. So the learning budget would be something that would benefit the company as well, because you're learning new skills that you could apply directly to your role. I've successfully done that in the past. I've negotiated for up to a $10,000 learning budget for me to do things like attend conferences, take trainings and get certifications. And that's dedicated directly to me, not to my team. 
Um, and that has been a really great way that number one, I'm benefiting the company because I'm able to apply those skills, but also it's helping me build my own career because these are new certifications that I will have that I can continue, that I can utilize for my next roles. The other point here is whatever you negotiate, always get it in writing. I have been in scenarios where let's say their offer template is standardized. So they say they can't do things like including the $10,000 learning budget or other, you know, kind of other things that you have negotiated. If they can't include it directly in your offer letter, make the recruiter or your hiring manager email you in. So have it in writing that that is part of your offered compensation. Okay. So if it's not in writing, it doesn't exist. And I have had scenarios in the past where I've negotiated an ancillary benefit. And then when I go to redeem it, the person that I'm trying to redeem it with has no idea what I'm talking about. They look up my offer letter. It's not in there. And it's just been easily resolved by forwarding them the email showing, hey, here's the person that offered it to me as part of my compensation package done. You know, no pushback. I have it in writing. So just make sure that you're, you know, CYA, cover your ass on always in writing. Okay. So into the actual flow of moving through negotiation, I also have a couple of tips. So one of the scenarios that you can get in with a recruiting conversation, that initial phone screen conversation, or early in the hiring process is they are most likely going to ask you to give them a number. So your goal is to never give a number first. We can't always avoid it, but for the most part, there are a couple of tactics that you can deploy to help you avoid giving a number first. So the most common scenario is going to be the recruiter asking you what your compensation expectations are. And if they do ask you that question, I think the best way to respond to that is to just tactfully ask them a question back and essentially redirect it back to them, ask the question and then stay silent and wait for their answer. So the way that this would play out is the recruiter would ask you something like, so what are your salary expectations for this role? And then you would say something like, thank you so much for asking. I'm actually really interested in understanding what the budget is for this role or what the pay band is that you've reserved for the role. And then just wait for their response. Or you could say something like, hey, that's a great question, but I need to learn more from the team about the specifics of the role and what's required before I'm able to talk numbers. So just, and if that sentence doesn't resonate with you, you know, this is something that you can easily Google for tips and tactics for what to say to recruiters around comp and find something that more specifically kind of resonates with you and your uh, communication style. But there are lots of ways to tactfully not answer that question. The other way that you can uh, investigate this is in several states now, there is legislation around uh, pay transparency and the pay band has to be disclosed within the job posting. If your company is not one that's in a jurisdiction that has to have that posted, uh, it's always good to ask. And then the other thing that I just want to throw in here too is just in life in general and in your roles, there are, people can always ask you any question they want but it does not mean that you have to answer it. So one of the skills that you can cultivate is just learning how to redirect questions tactfully. And that's gonna be your goal here if they're asking about compensation expectations upfront. Your goal is to have them give you a number first. And also for any states or geographies where you are looking for a role, 
Google the types of legislation that's in place around, you know, compensation disclosure and things like that. So you understand going in what the requirements are. If the recruiter has to provide you with a compensation range as part of your conversation or in the job posting, if the recruiter is allowed to ask you about prior compensation, just understand for your state or your province or your geography, what is allowed and not allowed. So you're going into that discussion more prepared. So let's say you've been talking to the recruiter for a while. You've been able to tactfully redirect their questions around compensation. And they're now coming to you after you've talked to the team and you've been through some interview rounds. They're coming to you with pay ranges or compensation ranges. This is where it's so beneficial that you have thought in advance about what you want. So when you get that first offer, you feel more prepared. Ideally, you have a good idea what market rates are. You also understand how you want the breakdown of your compensation package, what you want that to look like. And so when you get that first offer, you don't need to give them a response right away. Always take it back, take it away and think about it for a minute before you reply to them. And then you can say something like, you know, this is a really compelling offer. I'm going to need a bit more time to think about this. How about we reconnect tomorrow and I can give you some feedback? Something like that where you can give yourself space and not feel compelled to immediately respond. I will say one exception to this rule that I make that I've done in prior conversations is if, again, I really understand what market rates are and they come in with a, an offer that is well below market rates, I will respectfully let them know that and I will let them know how much they're off by. And in some cases has been off by as much as, you know, $50,000 and I'll just let them, I'll be candid and say, you know, I'm in several other conversations and I have a good idea of what the pay range is for this type of role and this type of skill set. And what I'm seeing out there in other companies is X amount higher, right? And so you don't, you want to do again in a tactful way, but it's always helpful to be direct and candid so the recruiter understands. And I've had it go both ways where the recruiter has let me know, you know, unfortunately, this is our absolute max. And for me, that helps me understand, okay, well, this is going to be a non-starter for me. You know, thank you so much for your time. And I wish you the best of luck in finding a fantastic candidate for this role. And then I would close the conversation. And then I've also had success with them raising the compensation level and re-leveling the role that they're looking to hire for. And that's a place where I personally feel like it's okay to give them a number where it's like if they are so far off base and I have a really solid idea of what the value of the role that they are looking for is, I would just let them know and I would give them a range. And I would focus on the high level of that range that I'm looking for in terms of the numbers that I'm communicating to them. But I have had success with that in the past. So that is a tactic that you could employ. And there are a couple more tips, especially if you're U.S.-based, that I want to cover in part of the negotiation. So if you intend to use your employer's provided health insurance and you're going to have to pay for a portion of that for either yourself or your family, you need to ask for the insurance rate tables up front before you negotiate any numbers with the recruiter. You're just going to ask for that, let's say, once you get through the hiring manager screen and they're going to move forward with you for subsequent interviews. Just ask for those rate tables so that you can review them as you're going through the interview process. Because this is a way that I tripped myself up in prior negotiations where I didn't ask for this in advance. 
And when I had negotiated and things were kind of wrapping up, I got the rate tables and the insurance premiums were literally four times higher at the new company that they were at my current company. And it had essentially erased all of the raise that I was going to be getting. And my takeaway for you there is number one, ask in advance. But number two, I was actually able to use that as an opportunity to reopen negotiation because I was able to show the recruiter like, hey, I just got new information and your insurance premiums are extremely expensive. I'm happy to show you what I'm currently paying, but this is going to have a material impact on my compensation. And we're going to need to talk more about what my base compensation is going to be to make sure that we are matching me back to the level that's expected. So I was able to use that situation to reopen negotiation. And my tactic then was just to say, I need you to make up the difference here, raise my compensation enough so that the premium difference isn't going to be impacting my base salary. And they were able to successfully do that. But really, you want to be careful how you deploy that tactic, because really, again, you want to have as much of an idea of what you're looking for up front. But the caveat there is if you get new information at any point in the process that materially changes your calculus for what you're looking for, you can let the recruiter know. And that's a new opportunity to negotiate. So don't think that if you find something out in the 11th hour, you just have to eat it, right? Like I'm just going to have to essentially take a lateral move because I didn't get this information in time. No, you can use that as an opportunity to renegotiate. But what you don't want to do is the recruiter feels like everything is buttoned up and then you come in with an ask with no justification at the end of the process. That is going to be frustrating for everyone. So we can have a good idea of what you want in advance as much as possible to keep the process as streamlined as possible. And really, for me at this point, a good negotiation is just a couple of back and forths. So don't think that a negotiation has to be back and forth 10 times. It could be if you have a really good idea of what you want, you now understand what market rates are. It could just be a couple of back and forth exchanges to get you to what your expectation is and what your role is worth, what your skills are worth. One last point on this, I know this is a longer episode because there is a lot to cover here. If they require a background check before your offer is finalized or before you're able to start your role, let them know that you need to have that completed before you put in your notice. So I always talk to my recruiters about this in advance. So if there is a background check requirement, which there usually is, it's totally fine. I am just upfront with them about the fact that absolutely understand this requirement. Once we get the offer signed, I'm going to need you to kick off that background check as soon as possible because I'm not able to put in my notice in my current role until that background check is complete. Because an employer could essentially rescind your offer if you fail your background check. And it could be something that's completely out of your control, like they pulled a background check on the wrong person or there's a mistake in your file. And it is so much easier to resolve that if you still have your current job. You feel less pressure. If things do happen to fall apart with this current opportunity, that is okay because you still have your current job. Relatedly, my last point here is to always read in full any documentation that they want you to sign to accept your offer. Double check that everything is correctly listed in terms of the compensation that you're expecting and then read through any requirements for the role. Like is, are there non-compete agreements? 
Will that impact you in the future? Are there requirements for that background check scenario that we just talked about? Like really just read through very carefully and understand what you're signing up for before you sign or accept anything. All right, that was a pretty in-depth episode. I know we covered a lot. We talked about the approaches and the mindset to help set you up for success in negotiations. We've talked about getting really clear on your ideal outcome. So both understanding that ideal outcome and understanding your BATNA, so that best alternative to negotiated agreement, so that you make sure that you can ideally negotiate with maximum leverage. And then we've walked through the basics of engaging in a negotiation. And just closing thoughts for this episode, remember that negotiation is a skill and the benefits compound over time. So you're going to get better every time you do it. And when you first start, it's going to feel super awkward and that is okay. And even now that I've been practicing this for a couple of years, honestly, it still feels a little awkward every time, but I just know that going in and I just am okay with it and I embrace it and I move through, even if it feels awkward, I know that there are benefits on the other side. So this is a skill that you can develop over the coming years, over the coming decades, and you're going to get better and better results every time the more you practice. I know for me, this was one of the harder skills to develop just because it can feel, again, really awkward, but it's one of the ones that's had the biggest payoff for me in terms of the more that I have built my skills in each role, really what helps me unlock the value of those is practicing negotiation and really trying as much as possible to begin negotiations when I'm still happy and comfortable in the role that I currently have so that I can ask for what I know my skills are worth. All right. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you found this episode helpful. If you're finding this podcast helpful, I would love it. And it would mean so much if you could do me a favor. If you could go to wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Apple or Spotify or Google, and go ahead and leave this podcast a review because that helps others discover the podcast so that we can all go on this journey together. All right. Thanks so much for listening. And I'll talk to you next Thursday. Bye for now.